The Geopolitics and Empire podcast is joined by Bulgarian journalist and Middle Eastern correspondent Diljana Gaitanzieva. Her websites are diljana.bg and armswatch.com. She has been carrying out explosive investigative um, reporting uh, from on the ground on biological warfare, bio labs, as well as the supply of arms by the West to Al-Qaeda and ISIS terrorists. Thank you for joining Geopolitics and Empire. Diliana, how are you doing? Thank you for having me. And uh, uh, I much appreciate uh, the interest that you are taking in my stories. Oh, your work uh, is amazing. And I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that you haven't uh, done more interviews. But um, you know, before we start, I would uh, tell listeners as well, if they want to get more of a backstory, they can go to some of the Geopolitics and Empire archives, where, for example, I spoke with Jeffrey Kay, and he was discussing US biowarfare against North Korea and China in the 1950s. And uh, of course, as well, there is my interview with uh, Dr. Francis Boyle from 2020, where we discussed biological weapons. Diliana, before we get to the biowarfare and the current events, you uh, earlier in your work, you uncovered a covert international weapons shipment network, which worked through diplomatic flights to arm terrorists in the Middle East and Africa. Uh, and you say this was organized by U.S. Uh, Southern Command, I think, SOCOM, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE, uh, among other actors, I'm sure. Many of us have long known how the West has funded uh, extremists, Al-Qaeda and ISIS. Uh, I often reference, for example, there was an Iraqi general who said, I think, last year that if the West stopped funding, arming, um, supporting, training ISIS, uh, ISIS in Iraq would disappear uh, tomorrow. Uh, and so um, you've revealed some groundbreaking details and information, such as how dipl diplomatic cover was used to protect this very illegal behavior of our governments. Could you first tell us a bit about um, the work you, you've done on this? I was a war correspondent and international correspondent for Bulgarian media at that point. It was uh, in December of 2016, I was covering the Battle of Aleppo. And when uh, the terrorists from Al-Nusra Front, this is the Al-Qaeda affiliate in Syria, retreated uh, from their positions, um, I was able to um, enter uh, along with my cameraman and producer uh, uh, to enter uh, one uh, underground warehouse, which was full with weapons. And uh, to my dismay, uh, most of the weapons were with the country of origin being my country, Bulgaria. I filmed everything. I um, broadcast uh, this uh, video uh, with uh, so many pieces of evidence, including documents and footage uh, proving that my country, Bulgaria, was arming terrorists. I broadcast this report. I uh, returned to my country and I uh, continued uh, my investigation. And a uh, few months later, I published a bigger investigation um, about 350 diplomatic flights with weapons originating from Eastern Europe. Um, and all these flights, diplomatic flights with diplomatic clearance were uh, chartered by the US Special Operations Command 
or the US government, uh, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. Um, according to these documents, uh, the, uh, these documents uh, were um, internal memos, um, official letters, uh, requests for diplomatic clearance with attached documents about um, um, weapons being shipped to different locations around the world, but mainly these were weapons uh, destined for Syria and also for Yemen. And these documents proved that the whole of Eastern Europe was involved in an international weapons shipment network for arming terrorists using diplomatic flights. These weapons were paid for by the US government, the Saudi government, and uh, the Emirati government. We're talking about 350 diplomatic flights uh, from uh, 2015 to 2017. After I published this investigation, uh, the company that was involved, this is, it is a uh, series state-run air company, Silkway Airlines, uh, they confirmed uh, that they were exporting weapons for NATO or for their allies, but they denied that these weapons were destined for terrorists. However, the documents showed that this air company um, or its aircraft made technical landings, for instance, in Injilik Air Base. This is uh, NATO shared uh, air base in Turkey, uh, very close to the border with Syria. So the weapons were offloaded there and then smuggled to Syria. This was uh, the scheme how they did it because diplomatic flights are exempt from checks, inspections and air bills. Nobody knows what exactly was uh, transported on this, these 350 diplomatic flights. But the documents that I obtained proved uh, the whole uh, scheme or the whole international weapons shipment network. Who are the sponsoring parties? Who are the exporters? the importers on papers. Uh, they also proved uh, uh, that uh, all these supplies were um, under diplomatic cover. And we're not talking about um, accidental supply or flight. No, this was well-organized uh, international weapons shipment network involving many countries, my country, Bulgaria, including after I published this investigation, I was uh, interrogated by the Bulgarian National Security Agency, and they wanted to know my source. They didn't investigate uh, this crime, namely arming terrorists. They wanted to know my sources, and I uh, probably I didn't cooperate with them in the way they wanted. I uh, was uh, uh, fired literally one hour after I uh, was interrogated. I received a phone call from the secretary in the newspaper paper where I worked and uh, she told me that my contract was terminated. The next week I was supposed to travel to Syria to continue my investigation on the ground. This never happened. And uh, the editor-in-chief didn't uh, provide or even didn't meet me and didn't provide any 
um, explanation as to why my contract was terminated. The, so the, no the, investigation was um, launched in Bulgaria into the crime arming terrorists with Bulgarian weapons. No, they just launched an investigation into how these documents were made public. This was the only um, issue that they wanted to investigate, nothing more. A message from our sponsors. The Nomos app will help you survive COVID-1984 and the Great Reset. Nomos is a time bank that can be used by communities anywhere in the world. You just need to talk people into using it. For example, if you go to your barber for a 30-minute haircut, your barber receives 30 minutes in his time bank. He can then use that time to pay for an appointment with the doctor. I've spoken to the developer who is passionate about creating solutions for surviving and thriving in the apocalypse. Nomos is available in both English and Spanish. Hurry and visit nomos.net before they roll out the cashless society and put you in the algorithm ghetto. Also, if you need health insurance that covers you wherever you may roam, check out my friend James Guzman's Borderless Health Insurance. One of the great things about living internationally is saving money on health care, but private care overseas can be expensive. Go to borderlesshealthinsurance.com to watch a short presentation on expat and digital nomad healthcare and sign up for a free consultation to review your options. Geopolitics and Empire needs funding. You can leave a donation, book a consultation, or become a member, which gets you access to my brief weekly commentary, a monthly newsletter of my thoughts, a private telegram, a monthly members group call, and my second premium broadcast called Dissident Thinker, where I conduct interviews and provide solo analysis. Dissident Thinker is also available on Rockfin and for supporters on Locals. This reminds me, years ago, just came to mind, there was a WikiLeaks document, I think it was referring to Bulgaria, where the Bulgarian government uh, did an investigation into corruption into the government. And there was this report that was put on the desk of some official where the report where the government was investigating itself, they discovered that there existed a, a Bulgarian, I mean, it's it's in most countries, a Bulgarian deep state. And it was actually describing like a parallel structure where you have the government that everybody sees in Bulgaria, and then you have the real government that makes a decision. And this report was leaked uh, on WikiLeaks. So that very much, you know, goes, I think it's related to what you experienced as, as well. I remember reading um, uh, Croatian arms because uh, I'm, I'm Croatian and, you know, uh, Croatia was involved in trafficking arms to Syria, which I was very not happy about. I think you also reported uh, it's on your website. Um, Serbia was also uh, you I don't, um, somehow yes. used to traffic arms to uh, Ukraine or, or, or Donetsk or, or, or the Donbass region. Uh, and so and it's amazing. You, the kind of work that you have been doing is you shed light on these very specific de details. Like we already know the big a lot of the big picture. We know that the West has been funding Al Qaeda and ISIS for, for, for a long time. You know, we have many much such information. You know, you have the 2012 Defense Intelligence Agency memo, uh, which discusses uh, the West supporting uh, the Salafists, and as well as your, your work really gets to the details. It's incredible how uh, airlines are involved, uh, international airports, governments, all of this um, framework and system. So let's then get on to the bioweapons. Uh, in 2018, you wrote an explosive article. It's on your website, uh, Arms Watch, uh, as well as your personal website about Pentagon bioweapons um, and, and Pentagon laboratories, which are situated in 25 countries around the world, everywhere from 
my former home of Kazakhstan. I used to live in Kazakhstan to Ukraine, to Africa, the Caucasus, uh, Middle East, South Asia. There have been outbreaks in these regions uh, similar to the uh, related to the Pentagon biowarfare projects in 2014. You detail how the Pentagon had a project on sand flies. And what do you know? In 2015, there is an outbreak in Georgia of unusual biting flies and insects which have resistance to cold. So could you then tell us a bit about how you got into this research uh, of the bioweapons and the biolaboratories and you know what is important for you there? What have you discovered? I learned about um, one Pentagon-funded biolaboratory in Georgia, which is called the Luga Center, by a local journalist. And in the beginning, I, I didn't believe it. I thought because it, uh, it didn't sound uh, possible. It, sounded like a science fiction and uh, I started however I decided to check this information and uh, I checked uh, a lot of uh, documents published uh, uh, on the US federal contracts registry and it turned out that the Pentagon uh, has funded biolaboratories in 25 countries across the world. The majority of these biolaboratories are, are located in countries bordering on the US main rivals, Russia, China and Iran. I went to uh, Georgia and I talked to local people and what, what these local people living around the laboratory because the laboratory is uh, built inside a neighborhood. Literally, uh, the buildings where people live, they are adjacent to this laboratory, which was very shocking to me. But obviously, uh, the well-being of the local population is not uh, as much important to the local authorities and the sponsoring party the United States, uh, as it should be. But so local people told me first that uh, after the laboratory started uh, working, uh, they noticed um, signs of pollution in the air, in the soil, in the water. They started experiencing very um, inexplicable symptoms of headaches, um, uh, high blood um, pressure and other worrying uh, symptoms that were not typical uh, in the area before. Also, they told me about death cases, uh, neighbors to uh, Filipino worker, workers working in this laboratory. Uh, they even, um, a very sad story. They even told me about uh, death cases, uh, and it was. I, I have video and I recorded their uh, testimony on how these uh, scientists working at the Lucas Center from the Philippines, but uh, American contractors, how they died, how they called uh, uh, ambulance, but uh, the medics couldn't uh, save them. And uh, they were told that it was probably something like poison, but this happened twice, not just once. So it was probably related to some work performed by these scientists in the laboratory. Uh, and also I uh, came into contact with insiders and they uh, 
leaked documents to me proving that um, uh, the United States uh, has performed, conducted experiments involving local soldiers, not only in Georgia, but also in Ukraine. Uh, the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, which is in charge of this whole program called Biological Engagement Program, $2.5 billion program. This uh, agency has funded a project in Georgia on 1,000 uh, soldiers and another project uh, on Ukrainian soldiers, 4,400 soldiers. Under this program in both countries, uh, blood was, uh, or we don't know at which uh, stage of the program or phase this project is now, but uh, in the project description, it was written that uh, the scientists, uh, I'm quoting now, will um, take uh, blood draws from healthy soldiers and they will be tested for different antigens against uh, bioagents. Uh, the information about the results will not be provided to the participants in this uh, program, which is also which raises another question as to why <laughs> these volunteers would not be able to know the results of their own um, blood tests. These samples will be stored in the Pentagon Biolaboratory and part of them will be shipped to the United States for further studies. This is the only information that is provided. Interestingly, in the documents, it is written that, again, I'm quoting, all volunteer deaths will be promptly reported, which means that this program probably involves serious risk or even a lethal risk to uh, the participants and the volunteers in this program. The same is, uh, is in Ukraine and the same is uh, in Georgia. In both countries, there, there are such uh, uh, documents which states that the volunteer deaths will be promptly reported. This reminds me of the 1990s classic film Universal Soldier with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph uh, Lundgren, which I viewed as a kid. Um, yeah, you, you write about this in your article. That was actually one of my questions. Uh, Project GG21, where the Pentagon conducted bio experiments with a potentially lethal outcome on 4,400 soldiers in Ukraine. And as you mentioned, 1,000 in Georgia. You also discuss bio warfare programs dealing with human genetic engineering, as well as ethnic bioweapons, a theoretical weapon that aims to primarily harm people of specific ethnicities or or genotypes. Uh, I think Francis Boyle touched on this as well. and I think it was some uh, a video was just uh, on the social media recently from 2018, where this question was asked to President Putin, and he acknowledged this. He was aware the Russians are aware that there are these Pentagon bio labs surrounding Russia in the former Soviet Union, um, and they're doing this kind of work um, regarding ethnic specific bioweapons. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I have seen documents, again, originating from the US, U.S. Federal Contracts Registry, in which was written, it was written 
that uh, Pentagon scientists uh, need um, um, samples, biological samples, but only from Russians, not uh, not from Ukrainians, uh, only from people uh, with Russian origin. This was written in the documents, which was very strange. Why only Russians, uh, not in general Caucasian people? No, only Russians, this was written. So um, it was an announcement uh, for a few prospective contractors that need to supply uh, synovial tissue to um, one laboratory, military laboratory in the United States. And one of the questions that these prospective contractors asked was, could we supply Ukrainian uh, or other uh, biological material? The answer was no, only Russian. Uh, this is what I have seen in the documents, which raises a lot of questions. Why only Russians? Ukrainians know why uh, these are Caucasian people. They're uh, why is that? No answer again. So I guess uh, this could have caused uh, uh, awareness in Russia because their genetic material, biological material, has been studied by the Pentagon for unknown reason. Yeah, and, and and also in your uh, writing, you discuss uh, a lot of this. We, we know now uh, there are books like Robert Kennedy Jr.'s uh, best-selling book now, and, and others. Um, you talked about how the Pentagon studies has been studying bats that they have engineered uh, MERS-CoV uh, influenza, SARS, and um, you recently, I think, a month ago, published on your website about the bird flu being modified by the NIH to be more uh, vir virulent. Um, based on the, your reading of these documents as well, perhaps your discussions with some of the, the insiders that you've spoken to, um, you know, what would be your view on your thoughts on any connections between gain of function work, you know, this bio, this, this research on bioweapons and biolabs and, and COVID-19? The U.S. is the biggest uh, sponsor in the world of gain-of-function research. This gain-of-function research, it is very risky. And uh, it is a subject to scientific uh, dispute whether the world needs such gain-of-function research or not. I'm not a scientist, so I will not engage in this dispute. But... What I can say is that uh, my experience as a journalist trying to um, find answers is that what I see, huge amounts of money uh, flooding to laboratories, no transparency, diplomatic immunity given to military scientists to research deadly viruses, bacteria, and toxins. Um, uh, another topic that we can touch upon later is the reaction of mainstream media. Whenever somebody, be it a scientist or another journalist or a public figure, tries to raise this question about gain of function, about uh, military bio laboratories, the answer is always the same. Fake news, conspiracy theory. Well, two years into this pandemic and now uh, more and more pieces of evidence are uh, coming to light that 
The COVID-19 could have potentially be the result of such uh, US-funded gain-of-function research in the Wuhan laboratory. I will give an example. So uh, now, a few days ago, when um, people started asking the question, could this current military operation, I'm quoting uh, the uh, Russian Ministry of Defense, could it be uh, linked partially to these military biolaboratories because in Ukraine, the Pentagon has funded 11 military, uh, 11 biolaboratories under uh, unknown, uh, it is known military program, but uh, the real objectives, objectives of this program are unknown to the general public. So people started asking this question, would there be a link between uh, what is happening now in Ukraine? And uh, the reaction of the American media was to immediately call this information fake news, that the Pentagon has funded biolaboratories in Ukraine. No matter that there are documents originating from the US government proving that the US government funded such laboratories. I don't understand this craziness. I mean, uh, why aren't American journalists interested in what their government is doing and how their government and the Pentagon has spent $2.5 billion US taxpayers' money uh, on the health of foreign citizens instead on the health of their own citizens? This is not of interest at all to the American media, and which is very inexplicable to me. Yeah, and so speaking of that, you know, um, you discussed how the Defense Threat Reduction Agency had funded 11 web labs in Ukraine, um, even as recently as 2021 uh, or this year, 2022, that they were supposed to be uh, further advanced or put into operation. Um, and you also mentioned how Ukraine has repeatedly been hit uh, in the past years by outbreaks of swine flu and highly virulent cholera and highly suspicious hepatitis A uh, and infection. And uh, you're right, these documents, uh, until recently, they were available, uh, um, these documents, which which documented the, the funding for these labs in Ukraine were on the U.S. State Department's uh, website and such. And you just tweeted recently that those were taken down. So uh, uh, on your Twitter, uh, people can find, I'll include the links and on your website, you included a backup of those files. So this proves that this is factual. Um, so if you, if you have any comments on, on that, as well as, I guess we have no further information to know if what the military operation that's going on now by Russia within Ukraine. Uh, I recent, my re most recent guest, Dmitry Orlov, was saying that one of the purposes of the Russian military uh, operation was to take out many of the Ukrainian military installations. Uh, and so then the question is, are they also taking out military installations um, where these bio uh, American-funded biolabs are, are contained, or, or are they targeting these biolabs there's I, I haven't seen information on that, so I don't know if you, you have or, or if you have any other thoughts on this. I can make an, a judgment based on one uh, propaganda article that I read. It was published by otherwise uh, reputable media, the Bulletin of uh, the American Scientists. 
but because the journalist, the author of this article, contacted me and asked me, how will you comment the fact that uh, you are a liar? <laughs> to which I answered and I sent uh, my comment, providing a lot of facts uh, linked to documents. And I asked him, could you please tell me where is the lie? Uh, more than 200 um, Georgians died uh, during American uh, experimental program uh, on hepatitis C in Georgia with the Luger Center, the Pentagon funded by laboratory, being the leading laboratory in this biological research. Could you explain me why in the documents originating from this project, it is written that the cause of death of these people is unknown. I asked him, could you please check, could you please ask your government why 248 Georgians enrolled in this program died and the cause of death is unknown. He never um, got back to me and I read uh, his article he didn't publish my comment. All this article was against me. Uh, the aim was obvious to tarnish my reputation, to uh, try to convince people that I'm conspiracy theorist or Russian propagandist. So uh, the, the journalistic ethics require that he publish my comments. No, no, he published nothing. And um, this only proves that uh, Mainstream media now tries to deflect public attention to a very serious problem. These American biolaboratories or foreign biolaboratories funded by the United States. The same is the case with Wuhan. They all say, this, uh, for instance, about Ukraine, this or Georgia, these biolaboratories, they are the property of the, the host country. Okay, Wuhan and the, the institute uh, in Wuhan is also a property of China, but in this property of the government of China, the US funded gain of function research and coincidentally, uh, the pandemic started exactly from Wuhan and the pandemic uh, was uh, started by a virus, coronavirus, uh, when the same uh, American program uh, was involved in uh, research on coronaviruses, modified to, for unknown reasons, uh, for gain of function research. The same, the, the only difference is that we learn about this gain of function uh, research after something bad happens. We don't know in advance, there is no transparency. I have no ex explanation as to why this type of research is so important for the US government. What are they doing? What is the aim of this research? These are very important questions. The same is in Ukraine, the same in, is in Georgia. Uh, according to the documents, um, certain places inside these laboratories are classified information and they are uh, accessible only to American citizens with security clearance. 
Yeah, it's it's very bad what's going on the 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 media situation, and I've had Associated Press journalists contact me uh, to interview me, and I don't speak generally. I don't talk anymore to, to mainstream media, and and I, I noticed when I didn't respond to the journalist, the piece that he published was the typical ad hominem attack about conspiracy theorists. But I think they are losing. The alternative media is is growing, but the danger now is they are now attacking uh us they're attacking the platforms um and it's 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 getting dangerous it feels like the 1950s mccarthyist mm -hmm. cold war i just read today the czech republic now it's unbelievable the the czech republic oh. is saying if if a czech now um i don't remember exactly promotes the the russian perspective uh even online if so if you don't accept the official western perspective you could be jailed um up to three years yes that's true also so, the same uh, i'm sure the same will happen in bulgaria as well absolutely uh this is beyond imagination really beyond imagination and they call europe democracy <laughs> well i don't want to call myself uh, then uh, european if this is uh, if meaning i like being european means to uh to uh, to be treated like this no thank you i don't want this european freedom this is unimaginable and disgusting this and uh, by the way people in my country they took to the streets to protest against uh, our government involving our country in this conflict so people uh started realizing that a lot of the of the official government narrative is pure propaganda and has nothing to do with the real facts and the real dangers that we are facing now including uh with these viruses and bacteria and toxins that are being studied and uh, used for gain of function research this pandemic proved a lot of uh, lies that we've been fed over and over again so i'm uh, the only positive from this pandemic is that now people are more and more aware and i hope that uh, this will help all of us uh, confront uh, such programs that are very dangerous and risky i don't want us to have a second a third pandemic just because actually i don't know why i really want to understand what are these people doing why do they uh, why did they spend 2.5 billion dollars in so many biolaboratories overseas for military projects why did they, they collect uh, blood samples from georgians from ukrainians now they are starting such a pro project in my country bulgaria i contacted our authorities members of the bulgarian parliament also officially required information they didn't get any information and these are members of the parliament so this uh raises a lot of questions why is all this information hidden why if this is for the benefit of the local population then why are american scientists uh, been uh, why have they been given diplomatic immunity to research the uh, uh, virus bacteria and toxins also why according to special provisions in agreement between ukraine 
and the United States and Georgia and the United States, these military scientists are indemnified uh, for fatalities or injuries caused to the local population. Why are these provisions if everything is for the benefit of the local population? And why uh, are the causes of death of more than 200 people um, listed as uh, unknown and nobody even investigated this in, in Georgia. I was so, uh, so surprised. And this uh, answered my question, why in Georgia, why in Ukraine? Because, or even in Bulgaria, because when you have uh, put uh, local media under full control, suppressed freedom of expression, like in Slovakia now, up to three years in jail for speaking your mind, no matter what your opinion is, pro or anti, one country doesn't matter. You can go to jail up to three years. So in such places where there is no freedom of speech, media are under full control, you can do whatever you want, all type of uh, programs, projects, and nobody will investigate you. Even not only the media, but the uh, host state is not allowed to investigate what you are doing on their territory because the government of this uh, host state uh, voluntarily provided you with um, such freedom to do whatever you want, diplomatic immunity, legal protection. What more to say? This gives an answer why in that these countries, Bulgaria or Georgia or Ukraine, these are we are slaves, literally. I'm shocked. I am beyond words seeing what's happening in my country. Yeah, They're yeah. coming to perform experiments on Bulgarian soldiers or whatever it is. We don't know. We don't. Uh, we have no information, and we just uh, uh, Bulgarian media. They said this is normal. There is no problem. Um, it is for our uh, good. <laughs> That's yeah. uh, was the position of Bulgarian media. I, I would agree with you. Europe has become totalitarian. In my perspective, the EU is a totalitarian uh, a construct. And we, as you mentioned, what, what happened in the Czech Republic, it probably maybe will happen in Bulgaria and, and one of my home countries, Croatia. And I, I just can't stop speaking. So if they make it illegal for Croatians to to uh, question the official narrative on, on Russia or, or COVID or whatever, well, guess what? I, I'm Mexican. So come find me in Mexico. I'm a Mexican citizen, so I go where where, where freedom goes. Um, I don't know if you have uh, one question I did have was you said you were fired from your job. Uh, have you suffered any um, other serious persecution uh, or, or, or threats um, or, or perhaps uh, friends of yours or others in this line of work uh, beyond just losing your job? I don't want to go further. <laughs> into detail, but it wasn't easy. Uh, but uh, I, I didn't give up because I devoted my life, literally, especially I was a war correspondent and I saw a Bulgarian rocket. It fell next to us and beheaded a mother and uh, her five-year-old child before my eyes. I saw this and later it turned out that all rockets that were used at that point were Bulgarian. So I devoted my life to, to do something to stop at least 
what I could do uh, to, to, to stop arming terrorists with weapons from my country, Bulgaria. Uh, it wasn't easy, but um, what uh, hurts is that uh, our colleagues, they are inexplicably silent. Um, I recently received <laughs> death threats about the investigation into this biolaboratories. So obviously there is uh, something more that we don't know yet about these biolaboratories. Yes, this is also what bothers me the most is not even so much as these insults or as you mentioned before, uh, the mainstream media journalists attacking you or, or even the death threats is the silence of so many people uh, professionals, white collar professionals in the academic institutions, uh, in the government, in the, the journalism, e even many of the people, everyday people uh, around us is this silence. And this is what allows this to continue with so many people afraid to speak out or, you know, afraid to lose their nice jobs or, or privileges or prestige. Uh, do you have any, uh, is there any other issue that you wanted to mention or final thought for us? Mm, I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak up, for taking interest in probably one of the most important topics in our times, because we we are we have pandemic. No matter that now pandemic obviously it seems to have ended because now the only news is uh, Russia and Ukraine. So this only proves that this pandemic. I don't say that it, it wasn't serious. I myself had COVID. And it, I didn't end up in hospital, but it wasn't uh, the best experience in my life. So I don't say it is not serious. But what I want to say is that uh, that uh, what people uh, people need to be kept in fear uh, by the governments, by the media. When you keep uh, people in fear, you can so easily control them. This, uh, this is an example about the pandemic, about Russia, because, for instance, in my country, people are constantly um, forced to think that Russia is going to invade Bulgaria any moment. <laughs> and they feel fear that probably Russia will come and will occupy the whole of Europe. So this is how they work. All these propaganda tools of the governments, they use media to install fear and to keep uh, people uh, in fear, constant fear, be it the pandemic or the war or that our end will end any moment, either because of the pandemic or because of uh, nuclear war and Russia. And this is how uh, it is so easy to manipulate and to control the masses when you install fear into them. And uh, I want to thank you for not being afraid, for being such a brave journalist. And this makes me very optimistic and it motivates me because I know that there are many people out there like you, like me, who will stand up to... Uh, such dangerous uh, uh, biolaboratories and we'll, uh, we'll all join, uh, I don't know how to call it, probably um, the big problem is that we are not, uh, 
we are single or we we are not united probably we need to think in that direction so that we are a force that cannot be uh, dismissed so easily yeah i like to uh, I, I call myself a podcaster some people call me a journalist but well i i so far i i, I do a podcast but um i i'm also again motivated by People like yourself, it's a mutual uh, motivation. The, the more people you, you see stepping out and being courageous, it's it's contagious. And so this is what we need. Um, I think what's the best place for people to, to follow your work and to support you? Is it Arms Watch? I have been dedosed for a year, year and a half. Uh, so now I am using primarily my personal blog jilana.bg so i publish my articles there and this ddos attack started in 2020 in november of 2020 when i published uh, uh, one report on uh, the pentagon bio laboratory in the luga center so uh I don't say that this uh, constant DDoS attack is because of my investigation into this Pentagon by laboratories. What I say is just that this DDoS attack, constant DDoS attack, it hasn't ended even for a single day since 2020. It coincided with this investigation that I published back then. It's pretty clear what's what's going on. I mean, if if there are plenty of websites that are talking about stupid things that are not being attacked and if if you're talking about something and you're you're being attacked it's it's pretty clear uh what's going on uh, in fact my website yesterday was having some trouble so i don't know what's going on um so i will include all of your links in the description your your twitter uh your personal website diliana as well as arms watch which is, is still there and so um i think people need to especially support you and even consider donating to you because your work uh is, is great unique uh, uh groundbreaking and so stay safe diliana and thank you for being a geopolitics and empire thank you for having me I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list that goes out with each podcast and every weekend with a collection of news headlines. The newsletter and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's nearly impossible to find Geopolitics and Empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently takes down our videos with strikes, Facebook restricts our page, Reddit and Twitter take down posts, and after the Associated Press mentioned geopolitics and empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our Pro account. The best free way to help geopolitics and empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Finally, Geopolitics and Empire is in dire need of funding to continue. You can leave a donation, purchase a consultation with the host, or become a member to receive additional benefits. We also produce a weekly broadcast called Dissident Thinker for members and Rockfin subscribers only. 
We will continue to fight the good fight come hell or high water. Thank you for listening.